Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, a co-production of EWTN Radio and SpiritualDirection.com, where we provide you with a spiritual haven of rest and explore the riches of the wisdom of the saints and the path to union with God. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome to Divine Intimacy Radio, your radio haven of rest, your hermitage of the heart, your monastery of the mind, where we lift our hearts and minds to heaven to draw upon the wisdom of the saints to help us navigate joyfully, peacefully, the increasing tumult of life. And we're excited to have another great guest today to talk about a a pathway to that deeper peace and prayer uh, through the Carmelite tradition. So why don't you just uh, tell, tell folks who we've got on the line today. It's awesome. It's the most succinct bio that I've ever seen. Well, yeah. So we want to. I want to hire your bio writer. <laughs> <laughs> this is the kind of bio Dan wants. Well, it's just it, a simple. Well, uh, and I'll say this is funny thing. So I I've begun to send my bio to people, and I say, if you want me to introduce myself, all I'm going to say is, "Sinner saved by grace." You shouldn't listen to him. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is better than that. Okay. So we want to welcome Father Jeffrey Kirby. He is a moral theologian, papal missionary of mercy, and pastor of Our Lady of Grace Parish in Indian Land, South Carolina. So welcome, Father Kirby. So good Thank to you. have you. It's good great. to be on the show. Thank you. It's great to have you with us. So, of course, today we're, we're talking about uh, a nine-day preparation for the investiture of the brown scapular of Our Lady of Mount Carmel and, and uh, means a great deal to us. Uh, our our uh, community, Apostoli VA, is a, a kind of a um, uh, resurgence of Carmelite spirituality. A lot of our work is based on the Avila Institute for Spiritual Formation was inspired by the reproposal of, of Carmelite mystical tradition. So when uh, Sophia sent us this book, I thought, well, there's no way he's uh, we're missing that. And then I read the book, and it's uh, really exceptional. Um, I, I think uh, we'll, we'll jump into some questions for you, Father. But before we do, for folks listening, a lot of folks uh, get invested in the brown scapular and really don't know what they're investing themselves into. They don't know the power. They don't do preparation. And there really hasn't been in tradition, uh, because I've studied it quite in depth, uh, anything like this book uh, where it really helps you to understand it, understand what it means to be what I would call an authentic disciple of Jesus, which is what, you know, the investing investing of the scapular really is all about. And so Father Kirby is an, is exceptional in his clarity, simplicity, without depth. I always look, I always love those three. Clarity, clarity, simplicity with depth. I'm sorry. Those three are really hard to get to, but that's because the way authors do that is they are deep thinkers and they do it themselves and they, they eliminate all the subterfuge for us and then say, you know, here. So welcome to the show, Father Kirby, and thank you for this great book. Yes. Thank you, Dan. So Stephanie, I know you wanted to ask the first question right out of the gate. Okay. So where did the idea come, come from to write a preparation for the investiture in the Brown scapular? Yeah. So most people may not realize that uh, there's actually no formal uh, preparation program for the investiture in, in the brown scapular. So, so if a Carmelite priest is listening uh, to our interview uh, and he says, "Wait a minute, there's no formal uh, preparation," uh, he, he's completely correct. Yeah. Uh, so this preparation really came from, you know, as a, as a pastor, people began to reach out to me because I'm a huge uh, 
you know, um, promoter of, of the Brown scapular. And so people would reach out and they said, well, you know, Father, shouldn't there be some type of preparation that, you know, I have to prepare 33 days to consecrate myself to Jesus through Mary, through St. Louis de Montfort. Shouldn't I have some type of preparation for the scapular? Well, this happened so often, I thought, well, let's see if I can compose something. So I just took nine days because of the traditional novena, thought that would resonate with Catholics. And then I just began to draft a preparation program. And one of my inspirations is, you know, oftentimes the Second Vatican Council can be misunderstood and and people will say, well, Vatican II said, get rid of the pious traditions, uh, right. sacramentals and so on. And uh, and that happened in a lot of parishes, regrettably, over the past few a few decades. But really what Vatican II said, no, is place the sacramentals back within the context of the Paschal Mystery, back within the context of discipleship, explain to the people of God what these pious traditions mean, these sacramentals, so as to avoid superstition and to allow them to really dive deeper into their discipleship. So that really, as people were asking for this preparation, that became my impetus. I thought, well, well, let, let's do it. Let, let, let's take this to task. So for the preparation, I just drew from the six baptismal promises. So going to the very core of the Paschal Mystery, we are incorporating the Paschal Mystery as Christians by holy baptism. So go to those six baptismal promises, which honestly, a lot of Catholics, we renew them every Easter, but yeah. it's not really on the radar. And, and these are really important. <laughs> right. These are six summaries of what it means to be a Christian disciple. So I just used those six baptismal promises, stretched them out a little bit over the course of nine days and, and drafted uh, this nine day preparation. And then, of course, threw in a lot of additional things. So huge resources from our spiritual tradition, uh, some aspects of, of the Carmelite tradition and the Carmelite history and, and try to have as much fun as possible so that. As Dan was saying, we can have that depth without it being overwhelming to people. I wanted to make sure that the book was digestible, that it would resonate. Uh, there are some pastoral stories in there in order to, you know, develop some some heavy theological points. But that's really what, you know, was was the impetus for the book. It it, it really the the initial calling came from the trenches, from from fellow believers who said, "This seems like this is really important. Shouldn't I do something to prepare for this investiture?" Beautiful. Now, the format, you, you mentioned it a little bit, but I think it, it would be helpful to point out to folks um, because I think it's, it's, it's super helpful in terms of in its practicality. So you have a so you cover the six uh, baptismal promises and under each you, as you noted, you have stories and, and uh, scripture passage. I love your your use of scripture and then spiritual exercises at the end. So. Uh, as you're so you've absorbed the content on one of the baptismal promises. Uh, and then I love the examination of conscience, you know, so what father does is gives an examination of conscience for each of the promises. And I, you know, just considering how poorly catechized Catholics are today, this book alone is like a mini RCIA almost. I don't know. <laughs> did you have that in mind? I did, Dan. I'm so glad to hear you say that. Um, I think um, behind the scenes in composing this preparation, my idea was a kind of a crash course in discipleship, a, a mini RCIA. And, and so I'm, I'm, I'm glad that you saw that. And I hope that the those who use the book see it as well, that, yes, this is about preparing for investiture in the Brown Scapular, but it's also that, that deepening in discipleship to really fan in the flame the graces we have received to understand what it means to be a Christian. Yeah. You know, go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, I'm just really happy to hear that. You know, I remember years and years ago when I was in Catholic education and 
talking to my pastor boss at that time, and uh, we were discussing kind of the case, the the state, you know, of the parish and the parents and everything that was, we were, it was a little bit like trying to shove new wine into old wineskins. And, you know, every time you kind of spoke about truth, everything would get in a bit of an uproar because, boy, that's really uncomfortable if you've never heard it. Mm. And, um, you know, he said something to me that I think was so powerful. And he said, Stephanie, we've lost uh, generations to poor catechesis, generations. So I love hearing that this is this little mini uh, catechesis, this mini RCIA for those of us who may be enrolled in the scapular. But, you know, what we got beforehand was like, you should really do this. Right. <laughs> Here, do this, you know. Right. And, and uh, you know, we may have dived in with our hearts, but maybe not truly understanding the significance and the depth of this uh, devotion. So Yes. And, and, and to realize that the devotion, you know, that the brown scapular is a reflection of our discipleship. So the, the scapula doesn't stand on its own. It's not this distinct thing that's, you know, you know, out somewhere uh, removed from our everyday following of Jesus Christ. You know, I love the scapula for many reasons. One of the, one of the things that, that I particularly enjoy is wearing the scapula is, is like wearing a small yoke and, and it mm-hmm. reminds me every day that I'm yoked to Jesus Christ. So mm-hmm. even just wearing, you know, over our shoulders with the cords and so on is that, you know, it, it, it again reminds us, Reminds me, reminds our fellow believers of our connection to Jesus Christ, that we are following him. We are yoked with him. Uh, we are making this journey, uh, working out our salvation by his grace uh, with him. So I think that when we start putting the scapular and our other pious traditions within the context of discipleship, which was the real call of Vatican II, suddenly these scapulars and these devotions become even more rich and more holistic. So it's not simply why I wear the scapular but now I wear the scapular because I'm a Christian. I wear the scapular because it reminds me of my consecration to Jesus Christ. I wear the scapular because it reminds me of God's presence. I, I think of my parishioners oftentimes, uh, they go out in the midst of the world, and we live in a world now that tells us God doesn't exist, prayer is a joke, and moral truth is not real. That's the gas we breathe. So as believers, we need every help, every ounce of help, every resource possible uh, to help us. And I think the pious traditions of the church are a great place uh, to go back to and begin to retrieve, and, and in particular the scapular, because we literally wear it on our bodies, and it's that daily reminder uh, in the midst of a secular age that God is real, that he's with us. We're consecrated to him. We seek to follow his most excellent way. Amen. Amen. Well said. You're very clear in your thinking. It's beautiful. And I love it when uh, diocesan priests especially you know, help their parishioners to dive into the tradition in a deliberate way. I'll say this. You know, So we're talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Uh, a journey into Mount Carmel, nine-day preparation for investiture in the Brown Scapular of Our Lady, published by Sophia Institute Press. Uh, a lot of priests listen to this show on the terrestrial radio BWTN when they're preparing for Mass. We know that because they tell us. Um, I'd strongly recommend this for you, priests, for your parish. It's, it's, writ- it's, it's so perfectly written for like a parish. It's not a parish program book. But you could easily, you know, once a year, if you want to catechize a lot of your parishioners into something interesting that might be compelling to them. And that would have a tremendous spiritual impact. Yeah. Yeah. You could walk them through this, you know, over successive uh, weeks or or whatever, homilies or, you know, uh, Wednesday night studies or whatever you do and uh, get your folks, uh, a bunch of your folks fired up and more deeply understanding the faith in a non-threatening 
kind of unusual uh, approach that I think would be super helpful. So when we get back from the break, we're going to continue with Father Kirby, uh, journey to Mount Carmel, and talk to you a little bit more about uh, some of your thinking about the brown scapular and how powerful it is. Stephanie and I have been invested in the scapular for a long time and uh, uh, have studied it in depth and just absolutely love what you've done with this book. So stay with us. We'll be right back after the break. Hi, friends. We want to personally invite you to check out all of our upcoming retreats here at Avila. Head over to spiritualdirection.com forward slash events or click on the events tab on the top of spiritualdirection.com and sign up now for one of our powerful mini retreats, setting the captives free or into the deep or divine intimacy in marriage. Now with both live and online options, our mini retreats can be live streamed right into your living room or parish meeting room. Discover why these events sell out time and time again. That's spiritualdirection.com forward slash events register today there is a growing need for well-formed solid spiritual directors in the church today the avila institute in collaboration with heart of christ spiritual direction program offers a certificate in spiritual direction for those who feel called to accompany others in their journey towards god the program is grounded in ignatian and carmelite spirituality based on a catholic worldview and draws on the wisdom of the saints with an emphasis on biblical principles in the new evangelization this program offers both online and on-site classes Discover more and apply today at avala-institute.org. This is Dan and Stephanie Burke. Welcome back to Divine Intimacy Radio. We're talking with Father Jeffrey Kirby. Yeah, right before the break, you Wait, mentioned... Wait, I have to say his book name. Again. Oh, okay, sorry. He wrote, he wrote a great book. He did. That's what uh, we're talking about. <laughs> called A Journey to Mount Carmel, a nine-day preparation for investiture into the brown scapular of Our Lady. Uh Awesome book. Anyway, you had you had another yeah, comment about. I was just uh, I just wanted to follow up with the comment that you made right before the break about how even pastors could use this with a series of perhaps um, uh, homilies or Wednesday night studies or whatever. And all of a sudden, I was just thinking, well, wouldn't that be beautiful to do the series, teach your parishioners about it, and then tell them on this date yeah. and, and make it a Marian feast day on this date. We're going to, I'm going to have consecrate brown, everyone. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to have scapulars here. I'll, I'll consecrate you. We'll do the prayer together. July 16th is the best day. Wow. Yes. You could transform your parish. Think about the graces yeah. that would fall if a pastor led this. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome stuff. Yeah. So. Really good. So the, I want to talk a little more about the structure. Did you have something else you wanted to No. Nope. Let's go. Okay. So we mentioned before the break that the, you know, there's a reflection on the, on the six uh, baptismal promises, but then, and he has an examination of conscience for each that focuses on that uh, a particular uh, promise, like renouncing sin. So am I aware of the great spiritual consequences of sin? Do I regularly fight against temptations and lies of sin? The other thing I love that you've included in here, Father, is um, worthy reception, which is a, a, an unfortunate omission so often. Why did you include that? Yes, I think it's so important that when we speak about, you know, each part of, of our discipleship that, you know, one of the highest things that we do as disciples, the highest thing we do is, is the worship of God. And of course, you know, when we're in a worthy state that we can receive that Holy Communion. And I think that, you know, by emphasizing that it helps us, first of all, to understand the moral aspects of our faith, but also the spiritual aspects that, you know, if we're going to approach, uh, we want to make sure that we approach in a worthy manner. If we do so, then the graces that the Holy Spirit is able to give to us will just flood our souls 
in a powerful way. But if, if we re receive in an unworthy manner, and this becomes habitual, because oftentimes when someone receives in an unworthy manner, the, the, the soul starts to get, get calloused. And so oftentimes what happens once or twice begins to be a habit. And then eventually the grace of God, which is still given, cannot work within that soul because the soul has, has closed off the access to God to work. So I think the, the worthy reception of Holy Communion uh, has to be mentioned uh, as well as emphasizing other parts of the spiritual tradition. So I, I've read several books on the spiritual life that are beautiful, powerful. They describe methods of prayer, but then they don't re reference the sacraments or sometimes even the moral life. And, and if we if we cut those out, then what we do is is we create this, we turn the spiritual life you know, into this type of, of removed, almost a Gnostic experience rather than an encounter with the, with the living God that we nurture. And we nurture that both by our spiritual life, but also by our moral way of life and by the reception in a worthy manner of the sacraments. So again, trying to do it in, in, in a gentle, digestible way, not overwhelming anyone, but also respecting all the aspects, the essential aspects of what it means to be a disciple of the Lord. Yeah, it's, it's just so important. And you know, when when folks talk about where the reception and the graces and, and how it should be done and what we're doing when we receive in an unworthy manner, it reminds me of of, of being a, this most beautiful lamp that's been created and it's got special china and the, this translucent, you know, uh, lampshade and all this stuff. But then the electrical cord is sitting on the floor. And it's never going to give the light that it was designed to give because it's not plugged into the source. Yes, uh, I love that. So, yes. you know, we we want to shine with the light of Christ. But if we're not receiving in a worthy manner and receiving all those graces and, and actually killing those graces by not being being able to receive them, it just falls at our feet. You know, we're never going to shine. So we want to we want to be able to rectify that and get plugged into the source. Amen. Yes, yes. And, and if I can stress, that is so important because if that's not done, then what eventually happens is the person believes that there's something wrong with the gospel yeah. or there's something wrong with the grace of God. Because, well, yeah. I keep doing this, but nothing's happening. Yeah. Like, well, because you haven't plugged in the lamp, right? right. right. So right. The problem is not God or his grace or the gospel. It's that we have closed off the workings of his grace. Yeah, I think the the danger of doubt and, and how it can cause just this immense spiritual death, because we keep going and doing the same thing. And we're going, well, I go to confession, nothing changes. I, I receive the Eucharist. I'm going to Mass. I'm saying my prayers, you know, and nothing's happening. Well, something's wrong. You know, something has to be to be rooted out, to be examined, um, to really do the work that's necessary. Maybe it's a deep examine. Maybe it's finding out why I'm, I'm don't have a firm purpose of amendment, you know, right. when I'm going up and, and receiving the sacrament of confession, yeah, something's right. happening because yeah. the grace is not flowing. So um, we just don't want to, we don't want to take this lightly. We want to, we want to strive um, until we shed blood. So, yes, yes, yes. And, and Stephanie, if I can mention uh, something I, I, I repeat throughout uh, the book and the preparation, especially because the baptismal promises are, are the backdrop of the preparation. Yeah, you know, I, I retrieve and really emphasize uh, what the church calls the personal decision for Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. And and John Paul II in particular emphasized this. We, we see it in the Second Vatican Council. We see it in John the 23rd, Paul the 6th, Benedict the 16th, Pope Francis. But John Paul II in a particular way was able to crystallize and really express what it means that we have to make a personal decision for Jesus Christ. 
Now, and I have to tell you, being in the Southeast, when I start to talk like this, people say, oh, are you a convert, Father? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, no, I've been Catholic my whole life. I'm a cradle Catholic, which is why I understand the importance of a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And again, sometimes Catholics can think, well, that sounds Protestant. Well, that's one thing that our Protestant brothers and sisters got right. So we need to make sure that we allow that to be a part of our fully living out of the Christian way of life. So we can receive all the grace of the sacraments. And, and of course, by receiving the sacrament, the grace of the sacraments, we can be worthy to receive, you know, Holy Communion and these other parts of the sacraments. But we can receive all this grace of the sacraments. We can show up. We can attend Mass. We can participate in the life of the Church. We can even say our, our, our set novenas or, or even our rosaries and various things of that sort. All the right things. But if we haven't made that personal decision for Jesus Christ, there's nothing that brings them together. There's nothing that, as St. Paul says, fans them into flame. So if Jesus Christ is still distant from me or he's a stranger or he's just someone, this remote Lord that I somehow have to obey or else he's going to hurt me, then all of the work of the life of the Christian can't really come into coalescence and, and have that energy and that zeal that the Christian way of life is supposed to give to us. So, so one thing I stress is that personal decision for Jesus Christ. By doing that, we avoid grave sins. We are worthy. So then we can receive his body and blood on, 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 on at least a weekly basis. We regularly go to confession. We do our, pray the rosary and the novenas. But all of it takes on a completely different light completely different context when I'm doing this because he's not simply Lord and Savior, but he's friend, co companion, confidant. He is me, like my life for Christ. And that personal decision, if we can reclaim that as Catholics, and, and, and I don't know historically if that was removed because it was so emphasized by our, our Protestant brothers and sisters, but I think we have to bring that back in the context. Some of it, Pope St. John Paul II, he could not have foot stomped more on the importance of the baptized making a personal decision for Jesus Christ. And I think, Stephanie, to your point, that's what brings it all together. Yeah, it's absolutely transformative. And it's it's central to my my conversion, my reversion story, because I grew up Catholic. But the moment changed when I had lost everything, and, and we don't have time for it here. But I made a decision to go to my parish. I was aching. I was hurting. I was pretty sure. I knew I was in a state of mortal sin. I knew I was wrecking everything around me. And I didn't see a way out of getting out of that. And I went to the parish and I got on my face in front of the tabernacle. And I said, I've heard that you are there. I've been told that you are there. If that's true, take over my life and I will do whatever you ask of me. Wow. It was absolutely transformative. Nothing was ever the same after that. I met Dan Burke after that. I learned how to pray after that. That's for punishment. And here I am on the radio and, you know, talking around the country and doing direction and all this other stuff from that fiat. That was, that was me bringing the alabaster jar of my life and pouring it out on the, at the feet of my Lord. And he received it. He received yes. my yes, and he transformed my life. And yes. he can do that for anyone, anyone. But we do have to make a choice. We have to say, I want what you have. You know, I love the scene where the Lord's, you know, um, with the uh, the cripple by the, the pools. Yeah, in the um, Bethesda. the Bethsaida pools. And, and in the chosen, he says, do you want to be healed? <laughs> Do you want to be healed? We have to say, yes, Lord, I want to be healed. Yes. I want it. And I want it now because I'm sick and tired of being tired. Yes, I'm sick yes. and tired of being sick. And I'm sick and tired of feeling like I'm dying spiritually. So give me 
that life-giving water and I will follow you the rest of my life. So yeah. God be praised. Thank you, Father, for your for what you've said, because we need to hear that from our pastors. It's so necessary. Yes. Amen. Amen. Yes. So I want to hit uh, hit on something again that's really important. Uh, you know, we we do a lot of priestly formation. We do it for 40 dioceses. We um, pre-ordination, then we do post-ordination on spiritual direction, and then we we minister to priests all the time. And one of the things that priests struggle with often is the, the diversity of their flock and where people are and how do you move them forward as a whole without causing, you know, blowing up one group or another. The cool thing about this book to the pastors listening is it's sort of a, a, a backdoor way of getting at, a, you know, a little deeper dive on a lot of these doctrines that could really help uh, because people are interested in another thing and you're, you're getting them to that thing, which is a brown scapular, but through this, this reworking on the RCIA kind of work. So I can't emphasize enough how powerful I think this could be for parishes. Let's hit one last question before we get head out. and Yeah, so Dan and I have both been invested. Many people out there have been invested. So this question is, can a person be reinvested in the brown scapular, especially if they didn't realize its importance the first time? Yeah, so very beautifully, once uh, we're invested in the scapular, uh, even if we didn't fully appreciate or fully understand uh, its power, uh, its, its spiritual power, once we're invested, Our Lady claims us. So the the scapular, you know, is symbolic of Our Lady's mantle, her cloak that that covers us. So once we're invested, we we are invested for life. Now, with that said, and I want there to be consolation and encouragement by that that Our Lady claims us, right? So so even if we're you know again not fully aware or we're not where we should be in terms of our discipleship when we were invested, uh, our, our Lady claims us. She she covers us with with mm-hmm. her mantle. Uh, with that said, however. It is possible what I, I describe as a devotional reinvestiture. Yeah. So that someone who maybe was invested in their first Holy Communion or maybe when they were in high school or at some point in their discipleship where maybe it didn't mean much or maybe it meant something, but it's just been a while and they, they're looking for resources to kind of go a little deeper in their discipleship. I think that uh, this book can be a resource that that reinvestiture and the preparation for that can be a resource to, again, just the. Uh, fan in the flame to, to to go deeper to to really draw closer even to the Lord closer to the Lord Jesus, so we can be devotionally reinvested. And I want to stress awesome. it's a devotional practice that once we're invested, Our Lady's got us. Awesome, beautiful. frkirby.com is his website. frkirby.com, a journey to Mount Carmel, a nine-day preparation for investiture in the brown scapular of Our Lady. Thank and you with so much that, for being with us. And with that, we're out of time. So until next time, may the God of peace make you perfect in holiness. May he preserve you whole and entire, spirit, soul, and body, irreproachable at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Learn more about the interior life. Visit spiritualdirection.com. Divine Intimacy Radio is a co-production of EWTN Radio and spiritualdirection.com and heard worldwide on the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network.